Hello, I'm Jeff Lester, and welcome to Wait, What? A comics and pop culture podcast coming to you from the not-so-solitary fortress. This is WaitWhatPodcast.com. Graham McMillan and I are pleased to bring you episode 314, a two-hour installment that is one part spoiler-filled discussion of X of Swords, as well as the MCU TV series WandaVision, and one part analysis of the possible intersections of taste, fan service, online criticism, and the career of one Gramathy Jehoshaphat McMillan. As always, we welcome your comments at waywhatpodcast.com, your questions at waywhatpodcast at gmail.com, and we invite you to look out for us on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and Patreon. As always, we hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Jeff Lester! Jeff Lester! Can you hear me? Damn it. I can hear you now. God damn it, this... Ah, ah. So <laughs> Skype does this amazing thing with my microphone, where I'll make a test call to Skype testing the Skype test call thing and record it and everything's fine and this is the second time in a row where what I've done is then turn around and called you immediately and Skype for whatever reason starts the microphone on mute and so you're like Jeff 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 God Jeff and I'm like <laughs> so it's it's stressful, Graham. I'll be really glad when my Microsoft's little headset stops fucking around with me. I feel like it's always your headset. Like, no matter what headset you're using, there's always an issue with your headset. Graham, have you, have are, you, you try, are you trying to start a fight? Are Because I'm like, are you saying it's me, Graham? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm <laughs> saying you have really bad luck with headsets. Mah! Ah, the thing was, I was probably mellow about six minutes ago, but it's like I did the test call, I'm like, oh, it sounds perfect, then I looked up, I'm like, oh, 702, shit, god damn it, ah, just a, just a hair trigger, just a hair trigger of stress, Graham, just a hair trigger of stress, that's me, that's me, that's comic book industry, spoilers for this episode of Wait What, so, um. Oh, well, now I'm excited. <laughs> into it. <laughs> Actually, I don't know anything about the comic book industry. Graham, how are you? You sound uh, uh, soothing and mellifluous, if nothing else. What's happening? Uh, soothing and mellifluous, I think, uh, first of all, was my my <laughs> band name in the early 1990s. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, I have had... You know, I spent the, the majority of this week reading, Jeff. Mm-hmm. Uh, X of Swords, or Ten of Swords, yeah. uh, which is funny because we, we both got an email about that today. Yes! <laughs> Dominic, and I'm just going to say right now, I disagree with Dominic, <laughs> but it, it it has me wanting to ask you a question and, and inevitably get into a discussion about it. Sounds good. The question is this. Mm-hmm. At what point is making a swear from expectations where's the line between like oh that's a cute swerve or that's a smart swerve and well why the fuck did you do that hmm. right mm-hmm. because there is a swerve literally at the midway point of eggs of sorts mm-hmm. um that it was it was not it was not particularly smart. It was not particularly. I I didn't I didn't really like X of Swords at all. Like there, I think there's, I think it, there's a lot of problems with it. But there's a, a swear of this the the middle of it 
which basically goes, haha, you've read 11 issues of a lead up, but you didn't really need any of that at all. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Which I can see the appeal from the haha, no one will see this coming mm-hmm. angle. Right? Because why would you? You've literally read 11 issues mm-hmm. of, I mean, this is not a joke. X-Men character has to do something to get a sword to fight someone else with a sword. Mm-hmm. And then, spoilers, except it's something that happened like four months ago, so if you look at saying this, the swerve is, they don't need the swords after all. Hmm. Which, at that point, I was like, wait, so this thing I thought was really repetitive and boring in the first place was also pointless? <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Um, and I, you know, I'm reading all of Marvel Unlimited, but I can only imagine what it's like for people who've been paying four dollars an issue for this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But then again, when it was being when it was coming out, I remember people being like, I "Fucking love this swerve!" Right. And I didn't see that coming. This is amazing. Right. right. Uh, so you know, part of it is Exosort is also so soaked in like the Hickman X Men verse, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Well, well like understandably, mm-hmm. as, as someone who's not keeping up with it, mm-hmm. I was like, I, I guess that means something to someone who's really paying attention to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or at least i hope that means something to someone who's paying attention to it, you know? <laughs> um, but so I, I i think at that point you know you've probably bought into it enough that you are like that's a great swear of because you know you're you're there you've drunk the kool-aid mm-hmm. you know like it is a great swear because you've gotten to read you know 11 issues of you know character work question mark mm-hmm. um but but for me, who dropped in for this, mm-hmm. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, it made me think about WandaVision, mm. which I know you'd not be watching. Right. But WandaVision obviously finished um, this week, or this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also swerved in the final two episodes, to my mind, but it swerved in such a way of... I mean, you saw the, the, the publicity, you saw the adverts, and they were pretty much like, oh, what what is the secret behind why all these sitcoms? Mm-hmm. You know? And the secret is revealed to be Wanda watched sitcoms when she was younger. Mm-hmm. And then, because in Marvel stories, women can't be trusted with power, <laughs> she subconsciously recreates them uh, because she's grieving. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. But that felt not necessarily a swerve uh, plot-wise, because they were like, oh, look, it, it explains something. But a swerve intent-wise. Uh, that, you know, it, the show was basically promoted as, oh, you know, what is what is the weird secrets? But also, it's a character study about grief. And the last two episodes are an information dump and then the most generic MCU fight sequences. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it pretty much drops all the emotional through line mm-hmm. to my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and very, you know, for, especially for every character who is not Wanda, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the vision becomes aware of what's happening mm-hmm. and literally gets no resolution to that at all mm-hmm. because he shows up and there's a fight to be had. Mm-hmm. Right. Monica Rambo gets superpowers. <laughs> Mm. And there's no emotional through line for that either, because she has to show up and get this Jeff, 
be shot at by the authorities and be a human shield for two white kids. Ooh, nice. Yes, yes. Uh, you know, like it, it drops everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it made me think again, like, you know, at what point is a swerve good? At what point is the we zigged and you thought we were going to be zag good? And where is the line where it stops being good? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I, I would say that for myself and, and I don't, you know, I mean, it's what's <laughs> Your question is uh, impressively rhetorical and, you know, um, factors in some very uh, well, podcast-friendly examples. No, and I, I don't mean that in a condemnation. No, 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 no I but just... I, I, like, you're correct, but also I'm curious where your line is, right? Right. I'm curious where you, not only swerves you've enjoyed, but swerves where you have had, like, I did with X of Swords, the, oh, but, but fucking why? Right. You know, like, that's too far. Mm. Now I feel dumb for reading what I've read before or mm. watching what I've done, watched before. Right. You know? Right. Uh, that's a that's a very, very good question. Um, I would say that there is... I would, I would say that Swerve's work on different levels and i say i think also that they work um for different reasons which is to say i am okay with a swerve that is you thought this story was x but it's really y uh especially if it is a um you know if it's essentially not too deep you know, like in a way, one of the great swerve movies is uh, is The Matrix, right? Like, it's you spend a lot of time trying to figure out what the hell it's going to be, and it almost seems like it is going to be some sort of supernatural horror thriller, you know, until they throw in Neo's Awakening, and then suddenly you're in a a very very different um, type of movie. You know, and I think those things, one of the things that um, is good about the about the you think you're watching X, but you're really watching Y swerve is um, if the story doesn't necessarily have to tell a lot about if it's not a character driven story, I think that's easier to um excuse or be engaged by because you're being engaged on it by it on a on a very surface level you know what i mean so um i another type of quote unquote swerve i think is um the earlier seasons slash volumes of uh game of thrones george r r mm-hmm. martin very set up some really excellent um, cruel twists that worked really well, and again, in part because it wasn't so much like you thought that you were watching X, but you know, instead you're really watching Y. But it's it sort of uh, you thought you were watching X, but what you're really watching is sort of a deconstruction of X. 
you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, I mean, clearly me as formalist guy tends to, tends to be uh, more engaged and involved in those sorts of um, swerves, I, I think. Um, and it's interesting because, uh, because I think that, for example, X of Swords, n- not having read it, that does sound like a really frustrating swerve. I do think that it's kind of a mistake to do a, well, everything that you did doesn't matter um, swerve. Although I do think that there is something to be said for essentially, there's a there's a storytelling screenwriter thing that's basically like in order to make your story character driven to, to have to essentially to have it happen in a way that tends to please audiences slash directors and producers um you know the character tries to solve a problem and or tries to get what they desire and in the course of doing so you know has to overcome an obstacle and it's more or less in the overcoming of that first obstacle that creates all the other obstacles that they then have to um, solve to get to the end of the movie. So instead of an episodic, it's sort of an organic way to move from set piece to set piece because something that you, that the character does in act one more or less sets off these chain of of events that means that they're even deeper in the shit come act two, which then leads to act three. And so they have to keep striving and blah, blah, blah. So. Sure. I, I, I want to say, first of all, that I think, again, I think people who are re- following the X-Men stuff more closely mm-hmm. would have a less, would have a kinder view of the swerve. Mm-hmm. Than I did. Uh, because I think that there is probably value to those stories that I'm not getting, not being a regular reader of those books. Right. But for me, as someone who dropped in, it was a, we've just spent 11 issues saying, showing everyone getting these swords to have this fight, and now you don't need the swords. Hmm. Right? Which feels very much like a, a, not necessarily even a fuck you, as much as a, like, I just found frustrating from the, this didn't need to be this long in the first place, and now you've told me you didn't even need the first half. Right. Well, you know, and, right. Like, like frustrating mm-hmm. on that level. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Especially because those 11 stories, those 11 issues of them getting the swords, are honestly, a lot of them feel like filler. Right. Like, they, 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 they are repetitive insofar as it is character X, no pun intended, and they have to get a sword. Mm-hmm. But also... There's not. They don't really do anything interesting with it. Mm. Hmm. Like they go through them. There's a two-part story that runs through Wolverine and X Force of Wolverine going to hell to get the sword, mm-hmm. and it doesn't do it. Like it literally doesn't do anything interesting. Not least of which because Wolverine's been in hell more than once before this, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and also it's not treated as anything interesting. Mm. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's treated as like, well, here I am in hell again. Mhm mhm right and it's it's just it really is it it's a uh it's a tiring crossover mm. it 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 feels very overdrawn and very much self satisfied hmm. you know the 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 swear of midway through feels very much like the writers are being very self congratulatory being like ha ha mm. you thought it was this, but it's actually that mhm mhm 
Mm-hmm. But again, for the story itself, that just makes me frustrated of like, well, why did we do that then? Now, have you made it to the end of the event? Yes. Oh, okay. Because I was going to say all twenty-two issues. Yeah. Oof. Okay. Because I was about to say, like, I couldn't quite tell, and I'm like, sometimes what they do is it's not uncommon for the stuff that happens in Act One that you think is completely, you know, that is shown in Act Two to be unnecessary, actually ends up being the stuff that saves I, slash redeems I, people in Act Three. I am, I am going to say, to be charitable. The stuff that's shown in Act 1 may have reverberations down the line in a later X-Men story. Right. But uh, X of Swords in general is actually incredibly frustrating because it's not a standalone event at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it is. It comes, again, I dropped in to feel this, but it feels very much like it, it grows out of Excalibur. Mm-hmm. There is not enough content give, context given. Mm-hmm. For people who are not reading Excalibur, as to basically why this shit matters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Which uh, I like think it, would be really important. So, but it's know? so it's so based around the idea of, the, of other worlds and Saturnine. Mm-hmm. Right? Which, you know, maybe the assumption is just that, you know, these these are books that everyone is reading. Mm-hmm. Or maybe the assumption is that they did give enough information, which they didn't. Right. Well, you know, you know I, I, I do wonder also the, the flip side is um, I uh, – and, and this is something that I don't know. But like Hoxpox, one thing that struck me was how much um, Hickman was I don't know, almost writing for the Wikipedia pages. You know, like there was a, a certain feeling. Do you, do you mean like literal pages on Wikipedia dot com or the the text pages? Oh no, sorry. I mean like literal pages on Wikipedia. Like kind okay, of like yeah, yeah. like you either half like if you sat down with Hoxpox, you were either going to be looking things up on Wikipedia for the characters that you didn't know, or you were looking up the internet or theories for the stuff that was new that he wasn't spelling out, you know? Yeah. I mean, there, there's, uh, there's, there's some of that there. Definitely. Mm -hmm. There is eggs of swords basically comes from a collision of, again, what I'm guessing are Excalibur and Mm X-Men plot lines. Right. Um, one of them is there's some funky stuff going on with other worlds. And, and Saturnine and the conflict between Saturnine and Betsy Braddock. Again, that is not explained for people who are just dropping in with the, the first X of Swords uh, one shot and then going on from there. Um, but it's also, there's a lot about Krakoa and Arako, I think. It's 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 twin slash sibling island is mm-hmm. because they both, they both used to be one island that I think is called Okara. Like they're all anagrams of Krakoa basically. Of course. Yeah. Um, and, and they were, they, you know, they were one island and then they were separated, mm-hmm. but the people who were on the opposite island are basically dicks, but they're also apocalypse's kids. Mm. And they're the ones who have the other swords who are fighting because Saturnine declares they must fight with these 10 swords. Like, you know, it, it's all interrelated. Hmm. Um, and there is a lot of 
there's a lot of a lot, basically. There's a lot. Of, no, but there's a lot of. There is a lot of writing for the Wikipedia pages. Mm, mm-hmm. There's a lot of, you know, mythology heavy lifting in mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. There's all, honestly like, and again, this is like one division to be honest. There's a lot of things that don't actually make sense apart from the fact that the writer wants them to make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So, for example, at the start of the story, no one can be resurrected properly if they died on other worlds. Mm. And, you know, there's there's basically a MacGuffin given for this. But the reality is it's an entirely inorganic thing. But this way you can say, well, we've taken the resurrection thing off the table. Uh, and, right. and so people can die to create jeopardy for the characters. Sure, yeah. I mean, even within that, they kind of cheat. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, you will be resurrected. You just might not be resurrected as the same version of yourself. You might be resurrected as a different multiverse version of yourself. Because other worlds is like a, a merging of multiversal, you know, mm-hmm. multiversal realities. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, there's there's that. There's, you, you know, a, a metric shit ton of apocalypse backstory slash character growth. You know, or, you know, again... I'm assuming character growth. <laughs> I'm assuming it's stuff that's been backed up in, by issues of X Men that I've not read. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of that. It's 22 issues. There, there should be a lot, right? But there's also so much that is not in those 22 issues, but is assumed mm. that you know or is just not present, mm-hmm. and the reader has to fill in. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a lot of filler in those 22 issues as well. Mm. You know, the, the Hellions crossovers are, again, so tangential to the story that it kind of feels like the writer's like, ha, 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 we'll make them think that this is really important, and it's not. You know? It's, it's, it's a really weird thing. The structure of this story is very strange. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as someone who's sampling some of these books... Definitely for the first time since they launched, but in case of Hellions, like for the first time as part of reading these, mm-hmm. I very much didn't want to go back to them. Wow, like Hellions feels uh, snarky and mean mm-hmm. to the reader. <laughs> in a way, I was like, "Yeah, this is very much not my thing." <laughs> like the, the so Hellions has two tie-in issues, right? Mm-hmm. And the first tie-in issue is before the swerve, and mm-hmm. the second one is after the swerve. And the first one is Mr. Sinister, because Hellions based on these issues basically seems to be Mr. Sinister Suicide Squad. Mm. Okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, ha, ah, well, what if we steal the swords and that way no one has to go and get the swords? We'll steal them. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's a great idea. You'll have to lead it yourself because that's a really important mission. He's like, oh, shit, I don't want to, because this is the book where everyone's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go off on the mission, right? And then you don't see them at all until the second Hellions issue, mm-hmm. which starts with them coming back and being like, well, no, we're all dead, or we've been, you know, we're, we're injured. And someone's like, yeah, the fights have all started. They've all got their swords. <laughs> you know, and you're like, wait, what? Huh. <laughs> so it was literally a plot that went nowhere. Right. And, and like, it's, it's, it's built to go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's almost a, 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 an admission of being like, yeah, this book just doesn't really tie in with the bigger story we're telling. Right, right. You know, uh, but it's yeah, it's it's the it's the weirdest structure, it's the weirdest thing. Um, and again, 
there's you know essentially ten magical swords or ten important swords, mm-hmm. and some of them make sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like magic's had the soul swords, but mm-hmm. more or less since she was invented. Mm-hmm. Uh, Betsy Braddock has her whatever it's called, psionic blade or whatever. Sure, also makes uh, sense. Captain Britain has the sword from his origin. Mm-hmm. Wolverine has like seven million swords. Of course, yeah. Uh, and one of what's really interesting is like the one they're using is not the the this is me being old, but it's not the one from the first storyline from the Wolverine solo series way back when. Wow. When there was the ebony blade that like possessed people. I was convinced that was the sort they're going to do. Mm. And it's not. Hmm. Right? Um But the other ones oh yeah, this cable has a sword, the new cable has a sword, I guess. Mm. Which again, if you're reading the book, makes sense. But if you're not reading the book, all you know is like it's a sword that's big. And comes from space. And everyone's like, oh, you should get your space sword. Is that the space you know? sword that the... Wasn't there, like... A had, was it one sword. of the Summer Brothers was using the yes, Shi'ar yeah, sword? Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. From, yeah, like, Brubaker's run or something. Yeah, yeah. I, think, I think it's that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. The yeah, Final Fantasy sword, basically. Yeah, that's more based on context clues than anything in the comic. Mm, wow. You know? And so... As actually, that's not true. There are text, but the text pages are all throughout, and the text pages are like, "This is what's important about this sword," but that feels like cheating. That was the other thing. I realized how much I hate the text pages. Huh? Reading these books, interesting, uh, because they feel simultaneously superfluous mm-hmm. and the place where all of the stuff gets dumped. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that. Yeah, it, it's rather than telling an effective story, dramatizing the yeah, importance yeah, of you the... don't at all. You you stick all this stuff on the on the on the text pages, right? I, and like that annoys me. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. feels, uh, I, you know, I but I am one of these people who also thinks that the 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 Watchmen text pages are like a nice idea that becomes tiresome by the end of the series. <laughs> And also thinks that, like, by the time you get to, like, five years later and Giffen's ripping that off, mm. like, I hate those text pages as well. <laughs> I just, I, I, for the same reason I hate the X-Men ones. Mm-hmm. Where it feels like it's it's not, like, at least Watchmen was, a Watchmen works as a comic strip with the text pages as essentially expansion, right? Mm-hmm. But you can read Watchmen without reading the text pages and basically get it, mm-hmm. right? There's no information that you only get in those text pages that is necessary for the story. Mm-hmm. Okay? In Five Years Later Legion, I don't think that's true. Hmm. I think there's there's parts of, of the world building that are in there and are only in there, and that if you don't read those, you're actually missing important context for the, the, the comic strip material. Mm-hmm. And I think that's taken to a further extreme in Hickman's X-Men. And there's something about that that really irritates me, and I'm not sure what it is. Hmm. But I really end like I really ended up hating the text pages. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it's you know it's really funny. I don't have a lot of patience for text pages in comics generally. Uh, I've gotten a little bit better, um, but yeah, you drive me that you drive me nuts. Pages where it's like that sort of illustrated, you know. Full page oh, yeah, illustration yeah, yes. with like the yes. row of white text, like weirdly for whatever reason, Brubaker and Phillips do it in a way, 
or else I've just gotten older and gotten over it. But it used to be, it's like, oh, I hated that. And I hated the text pieces behind most things. Like, Watchmen was one of those situations where... Uh, where yeah, be- I don't like the ones in Watchmen, but I can at least appreciate them because they feel uh better done for sure, better way of putting. sure i can i can see that what for me i think i think the thing that f- is and i don't know how much our age difference kicks in here but as someone who first read watchmen um you know as the individual issues were coming out um and and with so much less comic book product coming out back then mm-hmm. it was pretty easy to find yourself kind of wanting to read something and still having like say the next issue of the comic book you wanted to read being like two issues away you know oh yeah so... yeah yeah and and I can imagine that like I read it as a collection mm-hmm. and there's a great difference between finishing a comic and there being a text piece at the back mm-hmm. and there being a text piece between chapters exactly exactly because the difference between this is all I'm going to get for the next 28 days. Yes. You can read the whole issue, put it down, maybe read it again a day or two later, and then maybe dip into the text piece, maybe. But yeah, the idea that you then have to, um, you know, basically scale this wall of text to break into the next chapter is is kind of is crappy. That's really frustrating. So... Um, but, but I mean, in in the Hickman X books, mm-hmm. like it's not even that. Like it's it they're literally dropped in between pages of the story. Mm-hmm. And again, I, this is a purely personal thing. I know countless people who think that not only are the text pieces great, not only are they entirely additive to the experience, mm-hmm. but they are expertly executed. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I'm just I just don't I don't agree at all mm-hmm. uh, on on multiple levels mm-hmm. like i while i appreciate a, a a coherent aesthetic across all the books and while i appreciate Mueller's aesthetic mm-hmm. the fact that all the text pieces have the same layout it, it is is oddly um disruptive to me hmm. if they're all might come from different sources mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i because I, I and this is maybe just like graphic design nerd coming in on me but it always makes me go well are all of these meant to be you know in universe elements that have been collected to a central source a central hub right because if they're not then why does you know whatever mr sinister's blog look like mm-hmm. like visually resemble mm-hmm. you know uh, a government report visually resemble right. an other world's you know dictionary entry or encyclopedia entry mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. shouldn't and like that that oddly rankles with me it, it f- makes it feel lazy again mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and, and and that's again I, I i suspect i'm i'm massively overthinking it, and i suspect that my personal bias is is getting in the way of stuff that other people are, are you know c- loving Mm-hmm. But I'm just I I I really have such a problem with them and the way they're used. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Huh. Well, I mean, yeah, it's it's interesting. I feel I feel like a case could be made that a lot of people who really 
like it. I mean, you know, to to look back on reading House of X and Powers of Ten and being struck by the feeling that there was something unified going on um, mm-hmm. and the fact that that was initially pretty energizing, it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if, like you said, <coughs> there's there's a thing under which everyone seems to really everyone seems to really like uh i don't know about everyone that hickman's x-men is you know no pun intended compared to what you just said all on the same page you know what i mean like that idea that it's all being executed with like one vision to it Mm -hmm. and supposedly Mm -hmm. with enough room to allow people to improv within that is something that it seems like for a lot of people who you know because I think I I don't think you and I are these people but there are a lot of people who not only you know have to collect every issue of a book that they started buying but they also have to buy every book with a certain character in it or they're committed to buying the entire family of titles so there could be people for whom um you know the they were obs- you know obsessively collecting reading reviewing and thinking about the x family titles and watching them just be a sheer shit show for a decade plus that the idea that hickman is making the trains run on time that they don't really like they're more excited by that than you know, yeah, the fact that but, if you point also, out the train's going around in a big old circle, you know? But also, for people who dig it, like, there's so much to dig. Mm-hmm. The books do feel coherent. Mm-hmm. I don't think they necessarily feel coherent in an interesting way to me. Right. But they do feel coherent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do speak with one voice. Mm-hmm. There are mild variations in that voice, but honestly, only mild variations in that mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. And so if you like that voice, this is probably thrilling. Yeah. Well, and I I mean, I exactly. I think it's I think it's thrilling and I think that there is uh, you know, if you were to do a Venn diagram, like you can that that promised land is the um where the overlap of people who have been following one line continuously and praying for this kind of deliverance you know also overlaps with people for whom that's again what they want from a superhero universe you know like kind of that i i feel that the power of the superhero universe that everyone talks about that everyone keeps you know sort of coming back to is the idea that it's all one place and you can kind of believe that it's all happening um sure you know that's 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 a pretty mighty high when you first get a whiff of it and you spend you know decades and decades and decades trying to chase it again so it wouldn't surprise me if you know hickman's sort of designer drug variant version of it is a really popular and B, maybe not 
um, someone's cup of tea, you know, when you get to the point of, you know, you give up on, on that quest, you know, you just find yourself growing different interests or different, you know, you start liking the weird fucked up corners, you know, like it does not necessarily surprise me that, you know, Graham McMillan, the guy who is basically sitting down with, you know, DC's new 52 to see what a car crash it is, you know, is more interested than the car crash than, again, the ridiculously dull view from, you know, Hickman's German Autobahn, you know? Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think that's a very... I, I think that's true, and I think that's a very important thing to say, right? Like, what I'm looking for from these comics, what I'm looking for from superhero comics, mm-hmm. is, I think, honestly, very strongly, not what Hickman is interested in delivering. Mm-hmm. So, on that level, these books you know, very much are not for me, mm-hmm. are not intended for me and cannot satisfy me. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that should be borne in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, but even within that, <laughs> I, not, no, no, even no, within that, no, they're terrible. <laughs> no, but I, that's, I, not even that, even within that, I think that's, I think that there's something odd, maybe odd is not the right word. I think that something about like the swerve being as drastic as the swerve is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is still oddly telling, mm-hmm. and honestly, just odd. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't have to be one hundred percent my shit, mm-hmm. but I can still read things and go, "Well, that's just weird," or "That's like I find this infuriating on a structural level." Mm-hmm. You know. Like, again, before the swerve, I was getting bored, mm-hmm. but I could see how this, like, is 100% someone's jam. Sure. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Then you have a swerve, and I was like, am I, like, honestly, am I the only person who was like, that's too big a swerve? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. But maybe I am. hmm So, Yeah. I don't know. It, it was just, I, I'm cur- like, I, it really did get me thinking about, again, how big a swerve is, 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 is can you get away with? What, you know, what is too big a swerve? Because honestly, if, if a swerve of this thing we spent half the story on is pointless, mm-hmm. isn't too big a swerve? Like, is there such a thing as a swerve that's too big? Well, I mean, I, again, I think, I, I think there are, uh, how do I put it? Like, I remember with, um, uh, like, Cricket Magazine, essentially, there was, uh, which I don't, have we talked about Cricket Magazine or no? No. Okay, so Cricket Magazine, growing up, it was uh, a fiction magazine, always looked pretty neat, had different stories and things. It was it was basically for young readers and also for young writers. The back half was filled with uh, fiction submissions of a certain length, and they were broken down by various age groups. And I don't remember if there was a particular theme 
you know, where it was like, hey, submit, you know, the coming issue is going to be all about autumn. Submit your autumnal stories to old uncle cricket, you know, and uh, inevitably like there, the dry rot of the character waking up and it all being a dream, like hit and stayed forever because the editor editors really couldn't quite be like, okay. So, so, you know, the theory, the theme is autumn, but you cannot have the character wake up at the end of whatever thing happened to them and have it all be a dream, you know, because there's a variety of reasons, not least of which was it's like 250 words or 750 words. You can only get someone into an interesting jam, you know, when you're 10, you can't necessarily get them out. So, so the the whole like, and then I woke up and it was all just a dream swerve is, is the classic, like, that's too big a swerve. And it also is the, yeah, if you completely invalidate your story's premise, you know, unless the invalidation of it is the actual premise, I suppose, you know, and then you sort of start going down the rabbit hole. All of which is to say, A, I couldn't really tell you without reading X of Swords, Ten of Swords, and frankly, I just don't think I'm going to do that. Um, But also, I kind of wanted to get back to talk a little bit about the swerve of WandaVision, because A, uh, at least to the extent that we can, because A, I have, as you know, don't have Disney Plus and have not been watching WandaVision, but B, B, what sounds like the swerve was exactly what I thought it was when you see the first promo ad, you know? So I'm kind of like, I uh, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe Wanda's grieving somebody other than who I thought she was grieving for. Oh, no, she's she's 100% grieving, uh, grieving Vision. Okay, so, you know... But I just, I mean, I found myself kind of being like, you know, like, oh, okay, that seems like that's what it's going to be, you know, plus maybe a certain amount of, especially hearing about people like Monica Rambeau and some other characters being like, oh, okay, but maybe she's being kept in a sort of Truman Show-esque lockdown to to make sure that essentially nothing pierces her bubble and her... She doesn't tear reality apart kind of thing. Uh, there's some element of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a nice way of saying everything you think about WandaVision is true. Mm-hmm. Because it's that... Mm-hmm. On the nose. It's Yeah, it's that It's that on the nose. It really mm-hmm. is. Uh, it's funny. I, I've seen multiple people after the finale talk about like how it really is a story about grief and processing grief. And... That 100% did not ring true to me at all. Mm-hmm. You know, like, in the slightest. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt about. It felt like it was a story about grief from someone who hasn't actually grieved a loved one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or or if they have, it's been like, uh, I loved one at a distance. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, not someone, not a partner or a parent or someone that they have an incredibly intimate connection with. Right. Uh, but also... I say this, but it's an MCU show. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that became incredibly clear, honestly, by episode three, is that this is a Marvel con- This is an MCU show. Mm-hmm. This is a Marvel Studios product. Mm-hmm. 
And part of the thing about Marvel Studios is you can have feelings insofar as you can say on screen that you're feeling something, but you can't actually have the messiness of feelings. You know? Mm-hmm. To the point where the second last episode is literally... Uh, can I spoil it? Like, do you care? Do, does, I, I assume that people who care, who are listening, who care, will have watched it. But uh, I, I'll I, mark it in I, the show notes. I, I, I mean, watched it. I, I I wasn't sure if you it had spoiled it earlier when you first talked about the revelation. So well, I, no, but I, I want to talk about like specific things. But sure, I, right. I'm okay with it, and we'll just uh, just. Um, so the second, the second last episode is literally Agatha Harkness walking through Wanda's life mm-hmm. and going, mm, are you grieving them? Mm, grief. Grief is hard. And then at one point, the, you know, after uh, in a scene set after Age of Ultron, mm-hmm. Vision walks in and is like, mm, you're grieving grief. Grief is a complicated emotion. And then Agatha Harkness is like, you're grieving your brother and your parents and Vision? Hmm. You're grieving a lot. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's honestly, like, the extent to which actually really tried to address this. It doesn't mm-hmm. actually really delve into the grieving process, for want of a better way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it, it gets as far as denial, which mm-hmm. is what creation of this, like, sitcom world is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then it jumps to acceptance. <laughs> wow! Like it, it's it's so it was so facile in actually mm-hmm. dealing with grief, mm-hmm. uh, but also it's facile in dealing with the television thing because, like I said, you see scenes of Wanda as a kid with her parents being like, "I love American sitcoms. Let's actually watch the exact shows that we're going to rip off in this series." Mm-hmm. So literally, they show scenes of the Dick Van Dyke show. And her dad's like, oh, we've got a bewitched DVD next. And then later on, she's watching Malcolm in the Middle. And you're like, Jesus Christ, does it have to be this on the nose? Mm-hmm. Do you have to literally say these are the exact shows? Mm-hmm. Because apparently they do. Mm-hmm. But even within the recreations of the sitcoms, they don't do anything. They don't say anything. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the fake sitcoms that really demonstrate Wanda in anything other than denial. Mm-hmm. Wanda doesn't work through anything in any of those episodes. Mm-hmm. No character works through anything. Mm-hmm. You know? And so it become it's like, oh, so this is the MCU movie that had, you know, an hour and a half of SNL, overgrown SNL sketches at the start. Mm-hmm. And that just feels... I, ultimately disappointing. Ultimately, really disappointing for me. But also, it's a marvelous show, right? Mm-hmm. Like Marvel has become incredibly successful by giving the audience exactly what they want and not and making it very easy to go to go down. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's mm-hmm. like you know, you know exactly where you get when you go and see a Marvel movie, mm-hmm. and they have made sure of that. They have made sure it's going to be totally consistent all the way through. Mm-hmm. They made sure that you know. Again, if there are swerves, the swerves are like really minor. Mm-hmm. The swerves are, oh, you thought that Ben Kingsley was the Mandarin? Uh, not really. But but you know, like you 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 can expect the quips. 
you can expect the the you know CGI heavy final battle. You can you know there's all these things that you know are coming. Mm-hmm. You know, and the closest you get to really stepping outside of that is what Black Panther maybe. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I was That's thinking amazing, about Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Th- think of the end of Black Panther, which again is like a ridiculous CGI fight that seems to come from out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. I guess once you remember that it's an MCU show, you're mm-hmm. like, oh, of course. Yeah, oh, I shouldn't be disappointed. This was never going to be Doom Patrol. Right. Yeah, in fact, I think you made a reference comparing it to to, to Doom Patrol like a week or two ago yeah, on Twitter, week. right? Yeah, because yeah. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's very much like the show that people thought that WandaVision is, is Doom Patrol. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and honestly... One division never really had a chance. Oh, I, okay. So you have you been following any conversation about one division or not? Uh, I don't know. That's a really good question. I I'm not sure. Uh, there, there is uh, like halfway through, maybe just over halfway through, Pietro shows up and he's back from the dead. Mm-hmm. But it's Evan Peters from the Fox movies, mm-hmm. right? And people are like, "Oh shit, multiverse! Oh crap!" And the joke in the final episode is, no, it's not. It's just a guy who looks like Evan Peters. Like, it's just a random schlub. And there's something about that that is like, again, you're just going for, like, you're going for the easy out all the way through. Mm-hmm. You know, you you get fans, uh, like, you rattle their cages. Mm-hmm. But you don't actually do the work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's kind, of what all, that's kind of what one division ultimately feels like. Mm-hmm. A show that wants you to go, oh, shit, maybe they're being really daring. Right. And then it's, we're not. It's mm-hmm. fine. Mm-hmm. Don't worry. There's going to be another Vision who'll come in and he'll literally punch the first Vision. <laughs> and then, like, the Scarlet Witch is going to fight another witch. You okay with that? Is everyone fine with that? Great. Because that's what we're doing for the last half hour. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, well, that's uh, you know. Again, I have a. I think. I think there is a. Grant, let me ask you this, because yeah. I do think that this is a thing that um, I think generally. Uh, I feel you sort of hit a lot of these challenges um, in ways that they aren't even challenging to you. Whereas I feel like I'm sort of thrown and you know stumble about and do a couple of jerry lewis style pratfalls but do you worry about aging out of being the audience or the target audience or being in touch I'm, with the I'm, audience i am 100 percent not the audience mm-hmm. uh, i don't know if i talked to you about this or not but i definitely after leaving thr like i definitely was like have i aged out of doing my job because I'm not the target audience. I'm really definitely not the target audience anymore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so do I worry about not being the target audience? No, because I'm not the target audience. And honestly, I haven't been the target audience for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's that's just... I wasn't even the target audience when I was the target audience, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, because like I was always the contrarian dick. Mm-hmm. Right? Like even when, you know, like when the Ultimates is coming out. Mm-hmm. The Ultimates theoretically should have been so my shit. Mm-hmm. I was the right age. 
I was white. I was male. I was straight. Mm-hmm. Um, I was British, right? Mm-hmm. And I was the one being like, "This is terrible." <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was. I never managed to be the target audience. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, I don't worry about that. In, in that respect, mm-hmm. uh, do I worry about losing touch with what the target audience wants? Yes, but also no, because this kind of speaks to what I was talking about with with uh, X of Swords. I, I think there's, I do think there's something that goes beyond the target audience, for want of a better way of putting it. I, I think that there's there's a, a I think there's still a, like a. a a bar of like baseline quality, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. Like I, I think you can recognize if something is good or bad, even if you're outside the target audience. Or arguably, you can recognize it better if you're outside the target audience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, well, uh, yes. On the one hand, I agree you miss, with you. Yeah. Yes, but I, I, you know, at the same time, you also miss the. Uh, the the excitement, I guess, or the the bit where you're like, oh shit, like they're ripping off, or they're ripping off, they're they're referencing uh, like John Byrne's West Coast Avengers run. They brought in the White Vision, <gasps> you mm-hmm. know, uh, mm-hmm. and and that is an exciting thing as opposed to like just an exhausting thing. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know? um, right. You do like you 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 lack that moment. You lack that moment of excitement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but but at the same time, again, I think that you can at least be aware of like that's meant to be a, a, a fan service moment. Mm-hmm. You could recognize those things, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I talked to someone this week who has seen the Snyder Cup mm. and they do not like Zack Snyder's DC movies, mm-hmm. but they've seen the Snyder Cup. Mm hmm. And I was like, okay, just tell me, is it is it terrible? Like, it's is it is it just is this something? Because I honestly, at this point, like, I'm so curious about it. I'm like, okay, like, is it is it going to be you know, four hours of my life that at the end I'll be like, well, that was an utter waste. And they went. The strange thing about the Snyder Cut is, it's not only a better film than the Whedon film, mm-hmm. but. I wanted to see the sequels they were planning afterwards. Mm. And then they went, I didn't like it. <laughs> but I could at least appreciate what they were doing. Mm. And it's that. It's the, you know, I, I still don't like it. I, I you know, uh, whatever. Superman's not going to snap someone's neck or... Mm-hmm. You know, Ben Affleck is is an absolutely ridiculous Batman, or 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 whatever. Like whatever the thing where you're like, this is not for me. Mm-hmm. But again, you can appreciate that. Well, at least this is coherent. Mm-hmm. At least this is a, a statement that that has a through line. Mm-hmm. You know, at least it's doing the. At least it's giving the fan service that the fans want. Right. It, which again, one division had they, had Evan Peters been playing the Pietro from the Fox movies, mm-hmm. and even if it was literally like a one line thing, or it was like he slipped through the multiverse and then he slipped back, mm-hmm. like that would have been a more successful fan service moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
than just going, no, it's Wanda's neighbor who just looks like that. Mm. Which is the explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, because then the, the, the stunt casting feels cheap and mean. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, you don't cast the guy who's played the character in the other movies and not know that you're literally making people go, oh, shit. Like, are you bringing the two realities together? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that's not innocent stunt casting. You know right. exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And to then be like, nope, it's just her neighbor. Well, I mean, not to take this to QAnon-like levels, but do you think a lot of people just didn't take that uh, explanation at face value? I have no idea. I haven't seen people, like comment one way or another about that i'm sure there there are almost certainly 100 percent people who are like no they're lying because blah 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 Mm -hmm. because it's the internet Mm -hmm. oh like it's it's of course of course there are of course there are there are people who have written articles about how uh randall park's character calls up the fbi and speaks to someone called cliff who you never see he Mm -hmm. just says hey cliff can you send blah 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 and there are already articles on the internet because I've read them going, Cliff is an Easter egg referring to this character and what it actually means is this and it's really leading to this. <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> like, maybe it is, but that's such a stretch because mm-hmm. it's like other people can be called Cliff, dude. Right. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes a name is just a name. Sometimes, and also, maybe it is an Easter egg, but it doesn't mean that. You know, mm-hmm. it's the same as as when One Division was like really early on. I think it's the first or second episode. There's, you know, they've got the fake opening titles mm-hmm. um, for the for the sitcoms, and one of them has the Grim Reaper's helmet in it, mm. right? And people were like, "Well, this is proof that the Grim Reaper is going to be the big bad of the series," mm. or mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a repeated hexagon motif, mm-hmm. and everyone's like, "Well, it's proof that it's aim." <laughs> Because, like, why else would you have a hexagon? Mm-hmm. And so, of course, there are people who are like, well, no, they're they're obviously lying, and this really is proof mm-hmm. that Evan Peters is the, the Fox Pietro, and they are going to team them up. But, you know, for a better way of putting it, like, those are crazy people. <laughs> I mean... I guess. I mean, I I think that, um, like, as someone who has a, a obviously a lot uh, in common with, um, you know, paranoid loons, I'm like, well, Graham, I don't know. But, I mean, how do I put it? I'm also sort of, like, I think it's sort of silly to... to um, I don't know. I mean, I guess that's my thing. Is this kind of... No, but, but- Again, yeah, Jeff. I like there's there's an economy for this, right? I've written speculation articles where it's like, well, maybe this means this. Yes, and part of that is there's a there's a massive audience for that, right? Like, right. really, are. people want to think that they're ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. people speculate, want to believe. So, in that respect, sure, it is QAnon, you mm-hmm. know, because QAnon is entirely that attitude applied to politics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Where you know. If you've been paying attention to politics for the last 250 years, you'll realize that March 4th is or used to be the inauguration date. So obviously it's the date that Donald Trump is coming back on a winged chariot. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. the same thing, exactly the same thing. 
Mm-hmm. So, sure, there are QAnon things for WandaVision. Mm-hmm. But that's because like QAnon is just the comic book internet for politics. Yes, right, 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 right. Yeah. Right, because that, that stuff has always been out there. There is, gen- like, that's basically CBR and comicbook.com's, like, business model. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's just what they do. Mm-hmm. They write those articles, they post those articles, and they get incredible traffic for those articles. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. they're hunger for them. That's how they pay their, the, the, their writers. <laughs> if they pay their writers. <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, this... Jeff, let's talk. Let's talk off recording about that subject. I <laughs> but um, no, but it is like that. What brings the money in? Right, right, right. But but that's always been there, mm-hmm. or maybe not always, but like it's definitely been there for at least like fifteen years. Mm-hmm. Like Io Nine was doing this when I was with Io Nine. That's well, th- that's what I was about to say. Is part of me is. Um... <laughs> I'm like, how much of this, Graham, is just sort of your exasperation with, you know, uh, uh, a world that you helped create? Helped build. <laughs> yeah, helped build. And, you know, if nothing else, in a way, was was a pioneer, you know, and you, you know, have more I or less seen I them catch up with that, that loop, I guess. You know what I, I mean? I am going maybe wrongly humble but I'm going to say that I wasn't a pioneer as much as I was literally pioneer adjacent mm-hmm. uh, it's like uh, no even at io9 like that wasn't like I, I didn't come up with the idea right mm-hmm. so you know I was I was around the pioneers more than I was the pioneer um, <laughs> how much of it I don't know because well how much of what how much of what is my frustration how much of like what am I frustrated with? I I just in this, in this argument, like how much of of like internet culture am I frustrated with? Well, or like what was I the pioneer of that I have? Like what is what is the Frank Says monster I've created, Jeff? That that's oh, that's which gonna... is fair. And I mean, I got to admit, it's usually a lot more fun to just sort of generally uh, imply that sort of thing without having to follow through. But uh, essentially, the building blocks of my argument are thus to what extent is a the amount of ridiculous fan service that is a staple of the mcu show not interesting or satisfying or annoys you um because you know you have been around so long that you remember essentially what it was like to see that engine be put into motion. In other words, you were there when, as you know, you pointed out, people began the process of creating, uh, of indulging in rampant to the point of ridiculous speculation and or super turning every potential, that sort of QAnon level of everything means something to the level if you are in the know and enough of a fan. Um, that... I, I don't know how much of that is based on, like, you know, I've been around forever. Mm-hmm. As much of how much of it is based on the 
simultaneous like desperation and gatekeeping of it. The the well, if only <laughs> but Graham, you, you were a desperate gatekeeper. That was your job description. <laughs> no, no, no. But it, but it wasn't. I'm talking about the the um. If you've read as much as I do, you'd know the true story mm-hmm. aspect. Not even the speculation pieces, mm-hmm. but the like utter certainty. Again, the QAnon thing. The utter certainty that you're right. Mm-hmm. Because you know more, and you know more because you've read more. Well, things don't go to your plan. Sure, that's mm-hmm. because like they're lying, or it's a bluff, as opposed to just oh, I thought it was going to again. I swear, I thought it was going to do X, and it did Y. Right, right, right. Like that's that's the exhausting part. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there are other exhausting parts. Really extreme fandoms I find tiring the best times, you know? Sure. Uh, and I say this as someone, again, I'm 46 years old and I have read, I think, every Justice League comic that's ever been published. Right. But but I, I was going to say, like, at least I have the, the at least I, I have the common sense to be ashamed of that fact. Um, <laughs> No, but you know what I mean? Like, there, there's something there's something about the, again, the, like, um, the the idea of, like, I have seen so much or I've read so much that I understand this on a level that you don't. And I am going to lord that over you. Hmm. Right? As opposed to being inclusive. Mm-hmm. Of, oh, shit, you think this is great? Like, you know, um... Like, for people who really love WandaVision, and, like, if they really loved it and they're like, oh, you know, I, I'd love to – I I would love if they did more of X, Y, or Z. And you're like, oh, maybe you do want to read Tom King's uh, Vision series, which, by the way, everyone who thinks that WandaVision was based on Tom King's Vision series clearly has never read Tom King's Vision, Vision series. series, yeah. Right. No, it fucking wasn't at mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. With the exception of, like, the Vision is in suburbia, they're utterly unrelated. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, there's enough... There is a thematic connective tissue that you could follow, mm-hmm. right? It's it's the same... It's one of the same characters, but also it's the idea of, you know, superheroes in suburbia are, are keeping secrets, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Or, like, shit, you really like the relationship? Why don't you read the Englehart stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that's... Uh, that's not gatekeepy to me. Mm-hmm. It's not gatekeepy to be like, well, you know, maybe it means this because this exists and it's great and you should read it. As opposed to, I definitely know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know what's happening because I've read more than you have. Mm-hmm. It's just, boof, no, no thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do, you think that, do you think that that style, though, is... Uh, an evolution, I suppose. That that the um, I the... I think I I you know I think when you're pointing to Io Nine, like I think it is an evolution of the Io Nine tone. Mm-hmm. You know, because Io Nine tone was uh, was it gatekeepy? I don't know. Like it was definitely proto gatekeepy mm-hmm. of we are the tastemakers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I should say, like, I'm talking very specifically of like Io Nine when I was there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, I'm not talking about you know what Jill and and Charles and and James are doing now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't want to put that out there, mm-hmm. if, if, especially because like I think Charles's writing uh, in particular is is fucking great and and is a model for what to do instead of the very thing I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but definitely when I was with IO9, mm-hmm. uh, there was, uh, uh, you know, we are the we are the cool kids at school because we know the nerd shit. Right. And well, part of that was a conscious uh, refutation of, you know, this was pre-nerd owning everything, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like, Iron Man launched before Iron Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, no. And, and, um, so, how do I put it? Uh, like, if if you think of a... There's the kind of a feedback cycle, right? And I do think that there is a lot to be said for, you know, Ionine, when it first came up, and and, and you, within that, um, there was a lot of... Uh, well, I, I need to split it out into two things, because one is, you know, this... There... I'm not sure what there was much of a framework for people making a living by writing online prior to Gawker, really, you know, or if there was, it was a, not a very long period of time. Oh, no, no, very much. Like, if that's definitely, honestly, like, first wave of people who could claim to be solely online journalists. Yeah, right. I think that's fair. So... In that sense, there was a number of things that made it different from either regular opinion or education, uh, entertainment journalism, you know, which is the constant need for eyeballs and a tremendously high amount of content being turned out. So, oh, yes. Right? So I'm just saying that, for example, you were there when um, when trolling for the hits was a – became a thing. You know what I mean? Like and, – and it's not just you. It's not just Gawker. You know, you can put to the ascendance of – I don't know, 4chan and uh, probably Reddit, you know, the same sort of thing, something awful, like, you know, you had online forums and you had a need to generate attention, right? And so, so I'm just saying that, that when you, you were aware and uh, probably have had a way more experience than the average bear of how to craft something that trolls for the hits, you know? How is something that you, you know, catches an eyeball, drags an eyeball? And sometimes it's like, let's start a fight, but also it's a little bit of the, instead of giving it to you all on a silver platter, it's a little bit of the, well, we're going to tease you with the thing, and maybe it's going to be X, and maybe it's going to be Y. There's a, a lot of of popular culture these days where I feel like there's a lot of, for example, what comes to my mind is the stuff in Supernatural or Stucky or other things where the corporate entertainment companies teased things that they knew they were never going to deliver, but there was also a huge multi-year as long as they could possibly spin it out before being like, yeah, and we're not delivering on that, you know? And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I, so uh, 
look, I'm totally getting in the weeds. But my my point is is that what I think is interesting and I think worth keeping in mind is as 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 much as I want to believe and subscribe to your theory that some things are good and if you are an outsider sometimes it's easier to tell that they are good. Um, you know. You also defended Green Lantern last week, so I I, I just think <laughs> that weirdly th- enough that kind of fits my point though, because I think Green Lantern fits for what it's doing, but what it's doing is not serving is not serving the insiders, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like people who are familiar with Green Lantern, people mm-hmm. who have read the comics, are not going to dig it. And in part, they're not going to take it because it's not a good – I'm not arguing that it's a great film because mm-hmm. it's not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, like the original Fox Fantastic Four movies, mm-hmm. they work for a particular audience and they work pretty well for a particular audience. Mm-hmm. That audience might be, you know, eight-year-olds who have been in lockdown for a year. Mm-hmm. But when you look at them through those eyes, you do realize that they're not as bad as – the very audience we're talking about, like, bemoan them because they don't fit a particular aesthetic. Well, I mean, that, that I, I think that there is a lot to be said for that. And I totally agree. Uh, uh, I, it, it, if not for that specific point about Green Lantern, because I could not bring myself to to watch it this week as my oh, homework. No, I honestly, like, I don't, I'm not asking you to watch Green Lantern again, because again, it's a. It's not a particularly great film, or right. even a particularly good film. But b. We are in those demographics, right? Mm-hmm. Like we are in the demographics who recognize, like, oh, that's a lift from, you know, whatever from Alan Moore. That's a lift from Jeff Johns. Blah blah blah. And like, it's it's not going to satisfy that audience it's going to satisfy an audience who are like shit look at his weird glowing costume what's that alien space people again who happen to be uh, i'm I'm trying to give a nice way of saying like a less demanding audience well okay did the eight-year-old actually watch all of that movie or did they wander in and out and watch for a bit entranced and then wander off Oh, no, it was 100% the latter, but that's also the way that the movies are watched, Jeff. All right, if you say no, so. No, like, for real. All like, right. I, uh, I can think of, like, maybe two movies that have not been watched that way. <laughs> okay, I, I will I will take your word for it, you know, and like, I think that's... Honestly, yeah. Like, that's how Hobbs and Shaw was watched, and that's a film that he claims is the greatest film that's ever been made. Sure, sure. Okay, I think that's fair. So, yeah, uh, yeah and uh, I... I, I so, I mean, and again, I don't want to turn this into, you know, well, Green Lantern, so therefore blah, blah, blah. But I I just, I do think that, I and I take your point, I do take your point. But I also think that the wild concern of like aging out or being outside the core audience is, is an important one and is something that you can and should be aware of. I also don't think it is the most most important one. Or, and far from like the only important one. Oh, agreed. Right? Oh, like, yeah, I think mm-hmm. I can still be a valid member of uh, whatever, like the discourse, the conversation, the critical analysis mm-hmm. of a work. If you're not a target audience, and in some cases, you can be a better one. 
Well, because I, you're not going to be distracted by the shiny toys of... Like, I'm trying to think of something, like, I'm a fan of that I get distracted of. Uh, like, like I, I, the first time I saw Star Trek Into Darkness, I was like, well, you know, it did, you know, it did, it did a lot of things I liked. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you watch again, you're like, actually, but it, it, you know, it did, but it's actually a disaster of a film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, right. I think, I do think that if you're, if you're not in the, the core audience sometimes, you can see the the flaws of a work more clearly than you are and it's not just that and i think there are flaws that transcend well that wasn't meant for you Mm -hmm. well i I do i don't think that's the only basis on which to judge something i i mean i i agree but i also sort of wonder if maybe you know the sort of the same way that Green Lantern is for the, you know, the entranced eight-year-old and um, and not for, like, the adult viewer. Like, maybe the 20... Maybe the MCU uh, universe the is... <laughs> is... What's that? It's for the MCU stand. The, 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 the MCU stand, not so much the MCU stand, because there is that, clearly. But, I mean, even more, the idea that there is the, how do I put it, the the, the, the annoying 20-something, oh, I know why this is cool, let me tell you all about it crowd. You know what I mean? Like, that crowd that used to have, like, shitty-ass bands to to do that with and really don't as much anymore you know are able to be like oh yeah well yeah listen let me tell you all about oh, yeah, you're yeah, really yeah, not going to understand yes. you know yeah, it's it's very much the you know i like them before their second album right yeah. exactly and so yeah. there there's a lot of that the the kind of like oh i really know the score that may be sort of also again something that is cooked in or baked in that finds um uh becomes a, an outlet for a specific generation um that again may not exactly be you like wandavision may not be any worse or better than green lantern it's just that because the people defending it you know aren't going to start, you know, weren't just 10 minutes ago telling you about why peanut butter and jelly is like the best sandwich and anyone who thinks otherwise is just clearly mistaken, you know. But unfortunately, we're saying that about, I don't know, Beyonce, you know, is just kind of a, like maybe it's just a um, a thing. Like I, I just, you know... Yeah, I, I- you you touched on something that I've been thinking about, not about One Division, but about Justice League and about mm-hmm. Snyder's Justice League and all of that, all of that, just, you know, Snyder work in general, which is like, is are the Marvel movies just actually objectively better? Mm-hmm. Like, is the fact that they are popcorn entertainment that resonate with more successfully with a wider audience and are less ambitious but better at doing what they're trying to do, does that make them objectively better films? 
Well, I I mean, I, I don't I don't know. Well, like I can't think the answer is yes. Right. Well, I but mean, I, but I also I'm like. Then I get into like the well, what does objectively better mean, and is there such a thing as objectively better? But right. I think if if you're talking about it, I, I, this is me literally spinning off of you being like, um, you know, is one division better than I can't even remember the thing you you mm, green line. Yeah, because um, my first impulse was to go, well, it is, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I don't like it, even though I think that Green Lantern. Uh, in being less ambitious and succeeding at what little it's trying to do mm-hmm. uh, is again like more successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, One division feels better somehow, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know. And but in general, like, are the Marvel movies objectively better than you know? Um, than any of the Snyder movies, or than Wonder Woman, or than Aquaman, or or any of those. Mm-hmm. Like, surely you have to factor in the fact that like they're intended to be. Uh, I was going to say unchallenging, but then I remembered the Russo brothers' ridiculous comment. Um, but you know, are, are in that they're intended to be mass entertainment that doesn't really make anyone think too much. But gets them excited at the right part and laughing at the right jokes. Mm-hmm. Like, are they are they just objectively better? Right. And I think the answer is yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so what? So I and I think this is kind of, in a way, returns back to what we were talking about with Jonathan Hickman. You know, and Hickman's X-Men and, in a way, X of Swords. And just that idea of, like, there are a bunch of people who want a very specific thing from an experience. And and one of the things that they might like is the idea that the, the experience that they are getting is consistent and has a level of... Uh, um, interconnectedness, you know, interrelatedness that uh, that allows them to enter and participate in their appreciation of it um, as they want, and and that I think is the mass appeal is that idea of like one of the things that is super fun about the MCU is is that if you were a long-term Captain America fan, if you were a long-term Iron Man fan and you were a long-term Thor fan, you each of those characters got movies of varying degrees of quality and then they had the Avengers which was you know a movie of I think compared to the first Captain America and the first Thor, like of higher quality, other people would totally disagree and that's fine. But it's kind of like, so you could, if you were someone who always wanted to see your character, you kind of got to see that character. But again, in that fun way, not just in a Captain America movie, but in an Avengers movie or in an absolutely amazing Spider-Man cameo. You know, um, lots of stuff like that that I think, you know, really allowed either people to participate 
in in uh in something like a comic book fandom way for the first time or and i think this is crucial people who finally got to see their friends and family participate in mm-hmm. something like the comic book fandom for the mm-hmm. first time you know mm-hmm. like yeah. seeing people get it you know like feeling like holy shit not only am i in a world where there's hawkeye on a dr pepper can but like somebody like you know the cute barista is wearing a hawkeye t-shirt which is just weird like that is so far down the way but it's also kind of a little bit of a feeling that the world is more something in a way that's important on the other hand and i do think that again part of what helps with that is that because the consistency of the mcu has a almost monochromatic sameness with like very light areas of of um variation that almost inevitably get over exaggerated by people who are praising it it's actually yeah, 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 yeah. really really tight you know that still feels you know you get the enormous community positive feedback but also the idea that there is a consistency to it makes it feel as if the people who are putting it together quote unquote care about it you know um whereas when you look at the dc films they're all of them are kind of sloppy messes and in ways that is very easy to attribute entirely cynical uh reasons to sure right yeah and i don't think that that is um and i think because of those perceptions um that is the way a lot of people tend to view those things i mean looking at it's funny you mentioned black panther because we finally watched uh judas and the black messiah uh last night which was really i thought great I, yeah, I still have not seen it, and I have to because it's going away in a week. But, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You really—it's literally a victim of me going. I don't think I'm up for that yet. Like, yeah, I don't think I have the brain or emotional capacity to watch this yet. Yeah, I know what you mean, and that's usually how I talk myself out of a lot of movies, of course, and things. But it's—it's it's really. I think you should just just sit down and give it a shot because I think in many ways it will um it'll it'll take a lot of the burden off of you. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, it's going away in a week, so I have so to So you have it, to but... see it. Yeah. But so I enjoyed I enjoyed it a lot. And I know that there are some people who were a little meh on it, which is a whole interesting thing I'm trying to unpack in my brain. But um but you know it's produced by Ryan Coogler um and it is it's a very interesting double feature with with Black Panther uh weirdly enough because um it in so many ways is a very odd inversion of Black Panther and I think to me Black Panther is 
probably going to be as good as the MCU ever gets, I think, <laughs> although I could be wrong, if only because um, Kugler and the people putting the movie together, apart from really taking that feeling of bringing an experience um, that a lot of people have wanting to have in the movie theater and or introduce others to, like, you know, really exponentially grow that. But I think that, um, you know, Black Panther really does have um, uh, the, that, that Killmonger is just a great character because that character is ambiguous, you know, despite what everyone's saying, there's a lot of, you can walk out of there with the kind of, Oh, Killmonger was right. Kind of thing that I just don't think that you're <laughs> ever going to be able to do anywhere else, you know, because, yeah, yeah. um, and I, I just don't know if they're ever going to be able to, to kind of top that, that again. Yeah, yeah. Where you kind of get that moment. Cause to me, that's it. Like you said, that CGI fight, that comes out of nowhere I couldn't care less about but the final moments where Killmonger is like dying and seeing the sun rise or set I forget and and I don't even remember what he says and honestly it's exactly the same trick that that Kugler uh and um Michael J Johnson God damn it, why am I blocking on his name? It's it's the Michael I'm like, it's Michael Jackson is Michael Johnson? Jesus Christ, help me out, Graham. What am I doing wrong? Michael C. Riley? <laughs> why have you gone quiet? Yeah, it's, it's Michael C. Riley. Thank you. Um, I'm trying to look. Uh John the, the C. Riley? No, 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 the guy playing Killmonger. It's you Oh, know. Michael B. Jordan. Michael Jordan! Jordan! Jesus Christ! I was like why was I going with... talking about the director of Judas and the Black Messiah for a second? I was like, no, I no, don't no, know no. who directed that. No, 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 no. Sorry. The same trick that Jordan and Kugler pull at the end of Creed, which is yeah. give Jordan a moment of such naked emotional vulnerability that you just feel like you've been punched in the heart, right? Um, that moment is, I think, one of those moments where... For me, watching the head slapping discourse of, you know, the Marvel, the MCU stands versus um, Martin Scorsese, the silliest one sided yeah, 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 yeah. slap fight in all of history, is, you know, that is one of those moments where the ability to absolutely feel something so unconditionally. And yet, at the same time, have the kind of um, uh, uh, I, the eggshell of ambiguity is the only thing that I can think of. The the kind of the 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 crunchiness of a context is one of the things that I did love about uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Actually, is is that in its it in a very very different way, um, it's trying to do. I can see why it, why people were kind of meh about it because in some ways it's 
little better than a comic book movie, but at the same time, what's great about it is how much it's done like an actual film, where there's not necessarily a ton of dialogue. There is so much that is done by the actors and the acting, which is just phenomenal. And I just, you know, you're just never going to really get that in a... you know, you're not going to get a 30-minute wordless sequence in in a in a Captain America movie. That's just that's just not it's just really not going to happen. You know, let's look forward to the 30-minute episodes of Falcon and Winter Soldier with no dialogue. <laughs> exactly, just, just to prove you wrong. <laughs> well, but I, I mean, mean you're, that's you're, it. You're, enti- yeah. you're entirely right. You are right. entirely right. So, um, so I don't know. I, so I had a big ramble to kind of tie all that stuff together, but yes, ultimately sometimes people want different things from something. And I was curious the extent, cause for myself, as I started to age and realized what I wanted was changing, I also had this feeling of like, oh shit, I, you know, a little bit of weird separation anxiety of, to the extent that I've always only been kind of an outsider on the edge of the discourse, hoping to kind of get a more central seat, like this was surely going to exile me further and further and further to the tables next to the kitchen or the restroom, and nobody would ever pay attention to me, you know? And I was kind of curious to the extent of... I was... I didn't know how much of that was me or me um, amplified by the long road to Damascus that was 45 to 50, you know, and I was kind of curious how much that may or may not be going on with you, especially with the two larger... um, uh, concerns of, you know, you make your living writing about this stuff and you are currently not fully employed at the same levels that you have been. So, um, I wasn't sure to what extent. What's great is you do not sound, um, in any way, uh, doubtful, flummoxed, Or to the extent that you are concerned, I feel that you're concerned in a strategic way, I suppose, as opposed to a neurotic way, which is to say Jeff's way. I think think, uh, strategic way is a good way of putting it. I Mm -hmm. am more concerned about this in terms of work, Mm -hmm. to be brutally honest. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, am am I unemployable? Mm -hmm. Have I aged out of, of the job I do? Mm-hmm. You know, and also, uh, like, is what I want to do with my job viable still? Mm-hmm. Right? Fiscally this, this viable like or like sort of emotionally, spiritually viable? Uh, financially viable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm long past emotionally <laughs> or spiritually viable, Jeff. Uh, no, okay, but here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm. Um, since leaving THR, I have had opportunities. You know this, but like I'm putting it in sort of context for for people listening. Uh, I've had opportunities to basically write about stuff that isn't comics, and one of the things I've realized is basically I am 
for want of a better way of putting it, spiritually and emotionally nourished by writing about comics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I would love to just write comics news. Mm-hmm. But again, that's probably not financially viable. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I would argue, and maybe this is just me, it is becoming less viable every day. Yeah. You don't see and I'm not saying I want to do this but like Newsram as was, CBR as was, and when I say as was, I'm really meaning like, you know, uh five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. Or when was yeah, I guess almost ten years ago, because I'm thinking about, you know, the the days of like Marvel Now and all that, which I guess was almost ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Um where where you could basically have a comics focus and 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 survive mm-hmm. right i don't think i just don't think that internet exists anymore mm-hmm. i'd love to be proved wrong i don't think it does mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm not i'm not thinking about spiritual emotionally uh in part because it's a job and in part because i know what makes me happy mm-hmm. and what makes me happy is doing the shit about comics mm-hmm you know, I can do the other stuff. I suspect I'm going to have to do the other stuff mm-hmm. if I want to continue to be a professional writer. But what makes me happy, what makes me nourished is the comic stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, so so again, I really aggressively just come back to the, okay, but can I, um, can I do this and make a living at it? Mm-hmm. have i aged out of that and and not just in terms of age although again i'm in my mid to late 40s mm-hmm. that's like i legit legitimately just in terms of age but also in terms of like my interests because of my age mm-hmm. you know i don't have like i'm never going to make a uh you know 22 minute everything every easter egg you missed in one division episode nine video mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know uh, I have I have no interest, but also I do not have the skill set. Mm-hmm. Right, but if that's what the audience wants, then I'm shit out of luck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so you know I I but otherwise I I had a conversation with with uh, with someone this week, and I was basically like relating a lot of work related opportunities and lack of opportunities stuff to them, mm-hmm. and they were like, "You sound really happy." And everything's bad. <laughs> and I was like, okay, thanks, I guess. Well, but I mean, I mean, you sound really happy. But I mean, I mean, it's it's. Was that true? Were you happy? I mean, sort of. I is am, that, yeah, mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's it's. Uh, I, you know, it, don't get me wrong. I'm I. I legitimately am worried about work stuff. I'm mm-hmm. worried about whether I will be able to do it. I'm worried about whether I will be able to, um, I don't know, continue doing what I want to do mm-hmm. uh, or whether honestly I should just fuck off and become a postman. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, those are, those are all, uh, you know, those are all opportunities. Those are all possibilities at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I'm happy. <laughs> well, that's good. I I mean that is good that's the that is the most important thing. It also makes me think that maybe I don't know. It's funny because um 
you know, I sort of enjoyed, uh, you know, it's very easy for me to pretend that I'm, or at least it used to be easier for me to forget that I was older than you. And then it was kind of um, part of the, uh, the, the soothing salve of the midlife crisis was a little bit being able to tell you, like, look out, this is coming. And you being like, eh, I don't know, I don't think so. And then seeing you kind of be like, Jesus Christ, my body's breaking down on me. What the fuck? You know, which was delightful in an I told you uh, so yeah, kind it, of way. It, it has to be said. I don't know if I don't know how much of this we actually did on the podcast as opposed to like off the podcast, but there really was a period where you're just like, oh, just you fucking wait. Like <laughs> one one day you're gonna wake up and your body's just gonna fuck up this way, and I was like, ah, I don't know, Jeff, that might just be you. And then you know, cut to five years later, and I'm like, you motherfucker, you're right. <laughs> Well, the good news is I was kind of like, yeah, so you're going to, you might well be going through the long spiritual night of the soul. And I think there's a lot of things that indicate that you will not, um, or it will be a very, very different one than, than the one I went through and the one that Edie went through. I, 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 I think, it, I think it will be a different one. I'm sure yeah. I will because like, you know, what have I done to escape it? Right. With the exception of this thing. Like, don't forget, like, I had a really significant life change, like, three years ago. No, exactly. And I, and I think that, like, that I that's ha- it. I kind yeah. of got a jump in my long night of the soul back then. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I think, you know, I remember when your life was changing. And I think you said someone, you know, more or less said you were going through a midlife crisis then. Which, you know, I think you were, again, sensible enough to, to reject. But, um, you know, I I think there's, I think that's like the one thing. It's just, I think that when I do, you know, I, again, I'm not turning, you know, I feel weirdly enough, this entire episode has been my therapy. Like, am I going to have to pay you like money at the end of this? Yes. Uh, I will say yes. You're like, yes, yes, you do. Um, like I, I, uh, like I am, I am, I'm genuinely worried about work stuff. Mm -hmm. I am. But there's so much outside of that that I'm not worried about and that I'm enjoying. Which there's is so much... wonderful, which is good. Yeah, yeah that's but, really But again, great. also, like, you know, if we look back, like, five years was not true. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, no, exactly. So so I have I have a very different uh, outlook on, on a lot of things. And so, mm-hmm. sure, I'm going to have some level of dark night. Sure. Of the soul right thing right but it's just going to be a very different one. Oh, i i yeah exactly and uh definitely and and sort of realizing that in the course of of talking to you and being like oh wow holy cow this is going to be uh very different and um which i think yeah, cuts me, cut me a year from now and i'm just weeping so well but no but i i, I mean how do i put it I don't think that you will, but even if you will, you won't necessarily be weeping about the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I'll have something new to weep right. about. Right. Something new to weep about from either this or certainly from where I was and what I was weeping about. Because the, the process that Edie and I went through was very similar to each other. And I think very easy for me to generalize and be like, oh, yeah, well, everyone goes through some level of blankety blank. But I don't, exactly. I don't like think that that's true. Like mental crises look like this. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and I mean, on the one hand, I wasn't like, 
you know, driving around in, in a, you know, red convertible, but you know, but I do. So all of which is to say, I was kind of like, I do feel that there is a possibility that for most of us, I think, um, that thing that I was mentioning in part because of the body kind of breaking down to a large extent, you know, unless you're somebody who has rigorously been exercising and maintaining your body, Spoilers, no. Right, exactly. (laughs) As most of us haven't. Very few have. Some have. And some of those people really do are like, I feel fine. I feel great. And maybe they've got other mental stuff going on. Yeah. There is now an exercise bike in this house. Oh, really? Shit. That's great. I told you I got my exercise bike, right? No, but you told me it was coming. Ah, okay. Uh, This this really is something we should wait until we're not recording because no one needs to hear this. (laughs) I was just thinking because you're, you know, I, I was saying that I was not taking care of my body. I'm going to try. Yeah. I am. I'm going to try. Good. We'll see. Yes. That's good. That's excellent. I heartily Except encourage that it. Yeah. Nothing, so. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, anyway, but all of which is to say, I mean, I wish we could. Yeah, see, the thing is, is, if we can just tie it into WandaVision, then, uh, then the whole thing works. Or Hickman's X-Men. Uh, oh, well, also, you know, you're just, all of this is just, there's no podcast. You just invented this podcast yourself using your <laughs> Scarlet Witch powers. Oh, that's it. So that's that's the big reveal at the end. That is that that is it. That is the ultimate. Yep. Wait, what? I mean, which is what <laughs> I find God. out when I find out I've invented it all myself, and that's the brain blower. And, and then the last thing anyone hears from this podcast ever is just go, you going, "Wait, what? Wait, and what?" Then like three minutes of silence and wind whistling. Yeah, and they're like, wow, they had that planned from, like, year one? Holy shit! That came together <laughs> amazingly. I gotta say, it'd be a better than the finale of Lost. So, you know. <laughs> Did you read the, the oral history that they had of Vulture about the finale of Lost? Uh, no, no, which I would love to. But no, I didn't. Uh, it, it's, it's, the funniest part is... It has, I think it's Damon Lindelof, might be Carlton Cuse, one or one or one of them anyway, being like, "I know that everyone all of a sudden ended up thinking that they'd been dead the entire time, and that's not fucking true. And it really makes me mad. And they think that because of this scene, and we only put that scene in because we thought it was poetic, and we fucking shouldn't have." <laughs> that's really funny. Um. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's. I mean, that's fine. I or you know, I or Battlestar Galactica. Man, that was kind of a car crash of a final episode in a way that makes me not want to rewatch the show, which is kind of a shame because I would like to rewatch that show if it wasn't for. It's all on Peacock. It's it's all on what? Peacock. The oh, NBC Peacock. Service. Got it. I thought you said Pete Rock, which I was like, huh. I... Yeah, it's all on Pete Rock. It's all on Pete Rock. No, Rock. Pete's got them. <laughs> uh, I, I do not get Peacock at anyone, apart from get it for the Amber Ruffin show, which is great, but that's it. Well, so, Graham, I, I guess I want to say, should we should we just wrap this up? Like, it feels a little weird being like, yeah, let me complain about Superman versus Imperius Lex number two. Just kidding, I it's loved been, it. But... It's been such a. It's been a really weird episode. Hasn't it? it really has. Feels like in a strange way, like it's been my therapy. I'm sorry, whatnots. No, I really I, I'm hoping I that everyone like else enjoyed it as much point. as I do. You know, because I think <laughs> I think it was for me. It was really fun. Uh, you know, because I feel like uh, 
I feel like we're, you know, we're kind of a yin and yang kind of thing. And I'm just sort of always exuding, excreting, <laughs> secreting uh, facts or stories or neuroses or things about myself. And I think you're a little more of a cautious card player. So it's kind of nice to be able to... to keep asking you questions and, and draw some of these things up. And again, it's weirdly within the context of pop culture. So, I mean, it doesn't, it, it more or less fits in with our mandate, you know, but um, unless people were kind of like really, I mean, that's it. I feel like you did such a good job talking about infinite frontier number zero last week that i'm i'm like i don't know what you would talk oh, about this I, week I, I will say one thing about that very quickly which is last week i was more or less being like where's the new mm-hmm. where's the new in this and this week i read the the suicide squad issue mm. and i was like oh shit i wish i'd read that last week before i was complaining mm-hmm. uh because the suicide squad relaunch i think manages to walk the fine line between this is the old stuff that you're familiar with and pushing it in a different direction. Hmm. Uh, in a way that, honestly, I didn't expect. Hmm. I feel a little bit... Uh, well, did you read the Future State issues of Suicide Squad? No. Uh, the Future State, it basically takes the Future State stuff and kind of makes it canon, in a weird mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. Um, Future State Suicide Squad sets up two parallel programs to Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. Suicide Squad is Task Force X, right? Mm-hmm. So it sets up something called the Justice Squad and something called Task Force Z. Mm. And both of those are referenced in the very start of the new one, mm-hmm. of, of the new series, which takes place, quote-unquote, today. Mm-hmm. As basically being prepared uh, and both of them are interesting twists on the Suicide Squad setup mm-hmm. that I was like, okay, if this is the direction you're going in, I want to see more of this. Mm. Well, that's good. Um, I would say more, but I feel that I might actually spoil things for people. Again, it came out this week, but I don't necessarily want to spoil something that quickly. Okay. So, yes, I'm, I, uh, I, I, weirdly recommend that but it also makes me go oh maybe there is going to be more new mm-hmm. and faster than i expected mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's all <laughs> <laughs> you just went very quiet i i know i thought there were, a i thought there might have been something else uh and there was also kind of uh i i will briefly talk because I, I i feel like oh this would be hilarious if we each talk about one new comic and and maybe not as extensively and yet still managed to make a two-hour podcast out of things. Uh, I read, thanks to it being available on Hoopla, uh, Berserker, number one, by uh, Ken O'Reeves, Matt Kent, and Ron oh, yeah. Garney. You know, uh, I, I, uh, a friend of the podcast, Todd Allen, shot me an email because he had checked it out on Hoopla and was like, it's not bad. It got a pretty interesting, possibly okay twist, but, you know, for what it was... And, um, I mean, it, how do I put it? It, it almost reads like a parody of what you would expect a Keanu Reeves post John Wick comic book 
to read like, you know, like uh, you remember some of those amazing vanity projects that were coming out from all sorts of other companies where yeah, like, like, yeah, Virgin, Virgin Comics, I think is the, what you meant to say there. Jeff. Yeah. Well, there were others because I feel like I, I do. I guess Virgin was definitely like at the at the apex of that. But there was also some weird um, I say weird, but, you know, like Rosario Dawson's comic about like i don't know psychic cops or something like that or uh the guy from the fast and the furious movies who got into that big dispute with brian hibbs over his image comic you know not hibbs's but what's his name's tyrese's image comic oh god i forgot about that yeah mayhem yeah see so you know so it's kind of weird and funny the way in which it feels like they are doing a pitch for a keanu comic that feels almost as if keanu's like in the same way that tyrese or rosario dawson might be trying to craft something that you know to interest the producers and i'm like but this is clearly the sort of thing that Keanu Reeves can make. This is so clearly like John Wick meets Bloodshot, you know, kind of thing. Um, and yet what really helps is um, be- Matt Kent and uh, really does a pretty good job crafting things minimally like he's he's smart enough to more or less turn the writing down which is usually where so many of these vanity projects go in the wrong direction and then ron garney is just being a motherfucker like it's really good ron garney action comics like okay i'm i'm glad i'm glad you emphasize that because i think ron garney stuff is great and i was worried you said ron garney's being a motherfucker and he's not showing up no no he he brings it he brings it. I mean, what he is bringing is not necessarily that far removed from when you, what you used to see in an issue of Death Blow from the 90s, except, except for me, maybe because that time has passed as opposed to seeing seven books on there that, you know, where every image creator read Sin City and was like, oh shit, I can do this. Like Garney's stuff mm-hmm. is just, it's it's just good. It's really brutally violent. Uh, and that is the vast bulk of it. And then they try and work in a spin at the end that is... Uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, it really is. It's kind of, it is a super, super pared down basic comic. And what is, if you like Ron Garney, I think it will work for you. It worked very much for me. And I mean, there's so many things about it that I find generally objectionable on the, uh, in, in the abstract. But, but it, you know, as a product and as a product I could check out and read uh, on Hoopla, it worked. Weirdly enough, I followed it up by reading uh, Jana and the Unpossible Monsters number one, which is... Oh, I, I haven't read that, but I really want to. And all I can say is read it before you read Berserker, because it's not necessarily like Berserker is in any way a better comic but because it's a weirdly more complete comic 
Um, it I, it probably has extra long pages, thirty plus or something. That Jana and the Improbable uh, Unpossible Monsters is um, is is so clearly told in a this is chapter one of a serialization. Um, you know, that I like literally got to the last page, turned and went, wait, that's it? Like, it was just way too brief an experience by contrast. So definitely flip them around. I'm not saying one's better than the other. Uh, I'm just saying... Wait, to be honest, you, you might have just convinced me to wait for the trade for, for Jenna. It might not be a bad idea. It might not be a bad idea. I don't know how much, you know... Oni needs the eyeballs and the serialization to make it there, but um, it was, and again, it's hoopla. It's not necessarily like I need to have a complete experience. Among other things, it would it didn't really cost me anything, so there's no internal fanboy cost benefit analysis that was you know getting me you know edgy, but it was just unfortunately thanks to the timing of it. It was just enough of a taste, um, you know, uh, and some people are, you know, either fine with an appetizer or they're going to be, again, I think part of the problem for me is um, having read Chris Samney's stuff in two firepower trades, one of which was released as an entire OGN, um, you know, I'm kind of used to getting a lot of his stuff at once. And I also feel like that's really, it, it seems like that's how, at least in this particular story, it's going to work best, you know? So, um, anyway, so yeah, I, sorry, I cheated and talked about two comics, but those were the two for those people who have Hoopla. Um, and again, uh, if you really want to see, if you really want to see Ron Garney go to town, uh, Berserker number one is is yeah no no you you have you have sold me on that I'll be honest okay well we'll see it'll be great we'll talk in a few weeks you'll be like what did you do to me that yeah, you asshole yeah, whereas, spent... whereas I'm like Jeff please don't read X of Swords <laughs> whereas I'll be like that was my favorite Graham let me show you my X of Swords tattoo that I got on my arm. Just last week. Maybe you will. People, like I said, other people loved it. Yeah. No, seriously. Yeah. Some people are super, super, super into it. So, yeah. Anyway, everyone, join us next week for Drock. Goodbye. <laughs> are you? No, wait. Okay. We've got four minutes. I'm going to get through this in four minutes. Uh, there's going to be show notes of this stuff at waitwhatpodcast.com uh, when this episode is released because Jeff's great. Uh, there is definitely no new content recently on Instagram.com forward slash waitwhatpod or uh, waitwhatpod.tumblr.com. Maybe they'll happen again sometime soon. Maybe not. Who can even tell in this ever-changing world in which we're living? Uh, we do, however, have a Twitter at waitwhatpodcast. Jeff has a Twitter at lazybassett at L-A-Z-Y-B-A-S-T-I-D. And I have a Twitter at Graham M at G-R-A-E-M-E-M. We are a patron supporter podcast. And Jeff has two minutes to do this so that I can sing us out. Yes. So, and I would do it. But I just, what is the song? It's like this ever-changing world in which we live in. Uh, it's uh, Live and Let Die by, by Wings. Thank you. Oh, my God. I feel like my brain. It's scary because I was like. Wait, I know that song, and there is a little bit, like, I'm like, wow, 
Live and let die is never far from my thoughts, apparently. The ever-changing world in which we live. I can't sing, but makes you give it a try. <laughs> I said, we got a Patreon. Dun, dun. Give to our Patreon. Bam, bam. Da, 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 da. Anyway, I, that is, thank you, Graham. You made my night. You have ruined many listeners' nights, uh, but only indirectly. You guys are great. You put up with, um, again, uh, hopefully you're putting up with this episode. I think that it was intriguing. Let us know if you agree or disagree. Fortunately, we have had many uh, years of listeners um, throwing in comments on our Twitters or in the show notes or sending us emails um, or just in theory way back when when we used to know how to track how many people listen to this thing roughly approximately we're assuming you're still doing that and that really does help keep us motivated um, and focused believe it or not and uh, we really also want to give a kind shout out to the people at Patreon who throw us a little bit of their hard earned dosh Super, super duper appreciated. I can't even begin to tell you how much um, because we just got paid by Patreon and I was looking at that money being like, whew, that's coming at a good time for Jeff. Whoo, boy. So um, thank you guys for that. As a result, you get things like uh, Baxter Building, our read-through, the first 416 issues of the Fantastic Four, and Drock, our monthly ongoing read-through of Judge Dredd Complete Case Files, of which there will be a new episode next week. Unless I'm wrong about that, Graham. Am I wrong about that? I I think you're wrong about that. Let me check very quickly. Because didn't we just do... Yeah, I think we have two weeks. Is Don't it two we? weeks? No. Well, see, because that's no, apparently it. Apparently, it's next week. It's How next is week. It next week? But, I'm so confused. Uh, you know, literally, just do one. Time is weird. With time is weird, but part of it is also we flipped the weeks because of Valentine's Day. Like we, that was supposed to be a drop, and we took a skip week then, and that was supposed to be the other way around. Uh, so it would have so felt sure like four that makes weeks. Sense. So I, I guess there's a drop next week, everyone. <laughs> Try to curb your enthusiasm. We're going to be, we're, 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 I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, but that's because I don't have to edit it. Uh, I should give a special thanks out to Empress Audrey, Queen of the Galaxy, for keeping us safe and protected under her lovingly, uh, uh, sheathed cosmic paw and for her ongoing support of this podcast. We are grateful. Graham? Bring it home. I, I'm going to sing it out super quickly because otherwise we're definitely going to get into fuzzy. So I'm going to say bye!